What's going on, y'all? Brandon McGee here. Of course, it is another week, another opportunity to jumpstart an amazing week, y'all. And hopefully you are home or getting ready to go to church. As I always say, just make sure you brush your teeth when you get out of the bed. But I'm so glad that you tuned into uh, Inside the Room, again, with myself, Brandon McGee, where we discuss politics, leadership, and culture. Uh, and I got to tell you, we have an amazing guest uh, this morning. Um, and this, this brother, uh, what can I say? Um, he is not only Dr. David Earl Jones, but he's the son of a father who was born and raised uh, in the segregated South. Um, Dr. Jones's family and personal story uh, influences his commitment to addressing and dismantling systemic inequalities and oppression. Uh, Dr. Jones is also a member of the Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. I added that, uh, David. <laughs> uh, but he's a member of the Black Speakers Network, teaching uh, faculty member uh, for the Equity Institute at the University of Southern California Race and Equity Center. Uh, faculty for the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Institute at the Warner Music Group, uh, and co-director and co-founder for the National Association for the Student Personnel Administrators Ujama uh, Institute. I think that I said I think I said that right. Did I say that right, Dr. Jones? Ujima, 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 and that's part of one of like the I think during December and Kwanzaa. That's one of those words, right? Right, it's one of the uh, principles uh, for yes. class. Yep, there you go. Sweet. Dr. Jones is also a leading voice for diversity, equity, uh, inclusion, and belonging, and a highly respected and sought after diversity consultant, speaker, executive, and community leader. But I think what's most important uh, of this entire bio, other than being a father, a husband, a son, um, through all of his contributions to diversity, equity, and inclusion, Dr. Jones's work is also centered on a quote by activist and scholar, Dr. Angela Davis. So y'all already know who we talking to today, y'all, uh, where he says, and I quote, not he, but she says, I am no longer accepting the things I cannot change. Mm -hmm. I am changing the things I cannot accept. I want y'all to clap at in your homes, while you're in your car, wherever you are, you could be at the gym. I just want you to give it up for Dr. Jones being inside the room today. Uh, we're talking about diversity. We're talking about inclusion. Quite frankly, we're talking about equity. And before he, you know, we get into the really deep down and dirty of today's conversation, who is Dr. Jones, man? Who's David Earl Jones? Talk to us. Welcome to the show. My pleasure. My pleasure. It's an honor to be here. Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, really excited to spend this time with you, brother. Uh, you're doing great work. So kudos to you and, and your leadership in Connecticut and really across the country as you, as you really um, serve as a a steward for, for equity and justice and, and your fight for making sure that voices, particularly in the political arena, are heard and seen in, in, our, in our communities, particularly our communities of color. So uh, big ups to you and all that you're doing, man. I'm really proud Appreciate of you and, and, and your, uh, your success. So what, what, a little bit about me. Um, I think what's most important, you know, I'm, I'm a father, a father of three. I have uh, two girls and a boy, uh, nine-year-old twins, Jacob and Sophia. Uh, who are uh, very proud. They're fourth graders. Um, and I have a two-year-old. time is flying. Yeah, two-year-old, uh, Natalia. She'll be three next month. Um, so they bring me all the joy and, and energy and love to my life. And my, of course, my beautiful wife, uh, Stephanie, who we've been married 13 years this June. Um, she's, she's my rock. She's, she's my best friend. And, and, and together, we've, we've built a a beautiful family um, and, and a beautiful life here in New Jersey. So, um, you know, I, I'm very active as a community leader. Uh, so, you know, aside from all the, the work that you, you mentioned um, in my bio, I'm very active in the community serving uh, as the chairperson for the West Orange Human Relations Commission here in West Orange, New Jersey. I work closely with our mayor, Mayor Robert Parisi, 
to ensure that equity and inclusion, right, is at the core of what we do uh, here in town to create yeah. that inclusive community. We West Orange, New Jersey, which is a, a suburb of New York City, just about 16 miles from Midtown Manhattan, very diverse town uh, across various uh, different uh, racial ethnic groups in particular. Uh, but we want to make sure that those diverse bodies of people are feeling included right within the community. And so I work very closely with our mayor to put on programs, events, and and, and ensure that that is being met. And, and, and it's really important work that I get to do, um, not only with the mayor, but 12 other commissioners that serve on the commission. Um, and so together, we, we really strive for equity and justice in the town. I also work closely with our, our, our superintendent and um, various other school leaders here in West Orange as part of uh, the school district. And we created, right, um, the diversity council at my, my, my children's elementary school. Uh, so it's a, it's a council comprised of parents, teachers, and a principal. We meet monthly. And it's a, it's a way for us as parents to hold the teachers and the, and the, and the administration accountable. To so they hate saying y'all coming. <laughs> hey, we're, we're making noise, right? We're making sure that the, the curriculum is inclusive. We're making right. sure that training is happening. Mm -hmm. um, for the teachers, uh, we're making sure that you know they're they're recruiting um, in spaces that can identify diverse teachers. We have a a, a school at the elementary school is only 26 percent white, and so most of the wow. kids at the elementary school are, are are kids of color, whereas the majority of the the the, the, the teachers are, are white. And so you know we want to make sure these teachers are still able to meet our our kids where they are and, and understand their diverse background. So you know, that's a little bit about my work in the community. Of course, you know, being a member of Alpha Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, I'm, I'm active with uh, the Kappa Xi Lambda chapter, otherwise known as Wall Street Alphas, mm -hmm. and um, very active with the, the Alpha Gens mentoring program that we run uh, for high school men of color um, here in, in the tri-state area. I just um, honestly, I want to know when you actually have a moment to sleep. Uh, you, also, <laughs> you also have your own company. Um, and, you know, as you all are listening, I, I want to encourage you all uh, to go directly to Dr. Jones's um, website, uh, davidearljones.com, uh, where you can find a lot of the information. You can get them to speak. But we're going to talk a little bit about that later in our show. But okay. I, I want to quickly jump in um, during this first segment. And it wasn't until, um, I want to say, 2021, uh, when the brutal killing of George Floyd sparked throughout this nation, throughout this country, this world for that matter, conversations about race. Um, but I wanna take us back to 1955, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that year, um, you or I, we were not born. Um, I don't even think we were thought of, but <laughs> in 1955, there was a young boy who was brutally killed uh, and Without kind of going through the details, I, I am going to make the grave assumption uh, that the individuals listening to today's interview um, have read about it, learned about this young man who was killed for making a pass at a white woman uh, in Money, Mississippi. Uh, and it was during that time um, the murder of Emmett Till basically sparked mm -hmm. um, an upsurge of, of activism and resistance that became known um, as we call the civil rights movement. And frankly, the sight of, of his, his brutalized body uh, pushed, pushed so many uh, who had been content at the time uh, to stay on the sidelines directly, like jump in and start the fighting uh, for their lives. Um, fast forward many, many years in 2021, we have this man who is literally killed right before our eyes. There were no smartphones in 1955, but here we are literally watching the life leave this man's body. And quickly after we had corporations uh, organizations. I remember sitting state representative, my phone could not stop ringing from the number of executive directors, CEOs of 
Fortune 500 companies saying, Brandon, we want to do something. We want to, can you tell us what we need to do to help Black people and Brown people feel accepted in our organization? And quite frankly, what happened before our eyes, the killing of George Floyd, is discomforting and we don't know what to do. And so my question uh, to you, Dr. Jones, and, and I'm leaving out a lot, but I, I really wanted to use those two deaths, killings um, as an opportunity to jumpstart our conversation on this idea of diversity and inclusion. Like, what is it? And why so much talk, so many consultants, so many trainings on, you know, race in the workplace? Talk to us a little bit about it. Set the stage for us. Absolutely. I, I appreciate you sharing, you know, that, that span of time in which we have seen racism continue to unfold in this country, right? Um, you know, a, a quote that really sticks, sticks out to me as you were speaking is a quote from Michelle Alexander. Who, she's the author of The New Jim Crow. If you haven't had a chance to read, I encourage the listeners to, to pick up that, that text. It's, it's a great read. But she talks about how America hasn't ended the racial caste. We've merely redesigned it. And that's really what the narrative that you just talked about is, is, is speaks to, right? So from Emmett Till to George Floyd, racism is still showing up in this country in brutal and horrific ways. Yet it's just been redesigned in a way that in my opinion is, is even more harmful and horrific because it's right in our face. It's on, it's on our social media feeds, right? It's on our cell phones. People are talking about it in workplace environments. And so the murder of George Floyd, this the brutal assassination of George Floyd was indeed a wake up call for America. And thank you, words really do matter. Assassination, I think that's a more, right. that's a better- we, we, saw him, we saw him be publicly assassinated in, in, right. in our very own eyes. Yep. And, and that was a wake up call for, for, for America, sadly, because before George Floyd, not only did you have Emmett Till, but more recently you had Breonna Taylor, you had Ahmaud Arbery, mm -hmm. Trayvon Martin, mm -hmm. Michael Brown, Sandra Bland. I mean, I could go on and on, right? Eric Gardner. And so, so these, 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 are, these are innocent black lives, black bodies being taken from our, from our country, from our, from our communities simply because their skin color is deemed as a weapon, right? It's their, their skin color is seen as a threat to society and, 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 and not worthy enough to be able to live. And, and, and so here we are, it's summer 2020, right? Where almost, was it 26 million people came together across the globe to speak up for Black Lives Matter, yep. right? To speak up for George Floyd and the innocent lives Black lives that have been taken from us. Yep. And, and what we were seeing was, you know, a call for help, a call for change, uh, a call to defund the police, revisit policies, think about how we can address the systemic inequities that show up in various institutions from the criminal justice system to the housing system to the education system, right? And the ways in which Black people in particular are disenfranchised and victimized and brutalized simply because of the color of their skin. Mm. But it took the murder and assassination of George Floyd for that wake up call to happen. Mm. And so we asked ourselves, how, how far have we come, right? If, if the same thing, similar thing happened to George Floyd has happened to Emmett Till, happened to Trayvon Martin, happened to many others, right? Yep. Um, and even since George Floyd, we have seen the murders of other innocent black lives. Yep. We have seen the inequities of how Black people are treated in the criminal justice system and receive harsher crimes for, for, for the same crime than their white counterparts. And so when we talk about diversity and inclusion, we really need to talk about it from a way that moves us beyond this awakening, right? This consciousness to action, right? Because it's not just about consciousness. So sure, America could be woke in 2020, but what are they doing in 2022, right? <laughs> How, how are they changing the policies in their workplace environments, right? How are they addressing bias and microaggressions in the workplace? You know, how are they addressing 
um, the inequities and, and, and the disparities that might show up in the, the hiring process for their employees. You know, all these things play out in, in the ways in which we then take that awakening and place action in front of it. And so for those that, are, that were, were woke in 2020, I asked you, what, what are you doing in 2022 that's allowed you to move from this idea of wokeness to, to, to activating that wokeness into to real meaningful change? So, so you said a lot. And again, if y'all just tuned in, um, you've tuned in to Inside the Room with Brandon McGee. We have um, Dr. David uh, E. Jones uh, with us this morning. We're talking about equity. We're talking about diversity, inclusion. Um, and he is, he is the expert uh, on this. And, and we're just merely just here. He's really talking to us. Um, but I want you to unpack that a little bit, right? Because you, you gave us the history. You helped us to understand the importance of the conversation, where we are. You also had a little call to action in there. Um, but help us to understand these terms that you're using. Um, you talk a lot about um, equity. You talk a lot about, you know, being woke. Um, I, I think a lot of the folks who tune into Inside the Room every Sunday at nine, I believe they're woke, uh, but it's, it's, these are different terms that mean some of the same sort of things to people of different generations, right? So we have our Twitter folks, and we also have those who have hit the street. Uh, or protest or whatever their form of, of action uh, might be. Uh, but in the context of the workplace, in the context of the work that you do, help us to better understand in layman's term what this all means. Sure. What, what is the difference between equity and equality? And we may even want to take a quick break because I'm sure that's going to go in a little bit more but, but touch on it just a little bit before, before we pay some bills. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, you, you know, for folks that are leading organizations and thinking about how they create these inclusive environments, you have to think about it in the lens of equity, right? Not equality. Equality is good, but equality doesn't provide access for everyone. Mm. And so that is the distinct difference, right? You know, it's about how do I move the needle to make things accessible. So everyone could go to public school, right? Every youth, every young kid can go to a public school that they, of their choosing. But once they're in that school, right, they have the equal opportunity to attend that school. But once they're in that school, are the resources, are the programs, right, are the access to teachers, is that equitable, right? The, the ways in which students are treated, right, in terms of discipline. Is that equitable, right? And there are studies out there that, that speak to the inequities and disparities in that piece, particularly around suspensions of young Black boys, right? And so we have to think about our spaces as being equitable, where everyone has access to the distribution of resources that are provided within that organization, within that community, within, that, within the education space, right? Whatever the space is, right? That's equity, right? Everyone has a pair of shoes that fit, not just a pair of shoes, right? And that's, that's really what it, what it comes down to. Um, and and, you, and if for folks that think they're woke, right? You have some folks that are woke, and you have some folks that are, that are woke, but also still hitting the snooze button, right? So it's about really thinking about what this, what this looks like in terms of authentic, long-standing, sustainable action planning. And I'm sure we could talk about that after the break. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I also want to talk about those folks who don't have any boots, uh, but right. being told to tie them up and, you know, uh, get to work. Um, but, but I also am very interested to hear from your perspective, um, resources uh, that are not being allocated to this work. Um, and yet, we're still talking about it. Oh yeah, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Matter of fact, we hired about one person, you know, to, to help out with this effort. And meanwhile, the culture has not shifted, um, not even a little bit. And, right. and, and black and brown people are still feeling isolated. But also talking about the importance of allyship and those white folk who really do understand the importance of this work and wanna be a part of it. 
Um, so I want to talk about that as well. So again, if y'all just tuning in, you're tuned in to an amazing conversation. Um, it's kind of deep, heavy on a Sunday, but it's, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, and again, I'm so glad that you've tuned in. So y'all keep it locked. Don't go nowhere. We will be back with Dr. Jones as we continue our conversation on diversity and inclusion. What's going on, y'all? Welcome back. Welcome back. You are inside the room with Brandon McGee, where we discuss politics, leadership, and culture. And yes, it is a beautiful Sunday morning, uh, and you are here with me and Dr. Jones uh, as we continue our conversation on diversity and inclusion. Uh, and again, if you just tuned in, you missed an amazing first half of this interview. Um, however, um, you're here. So right, we're going right. to continue the conversation. Uh, and we left off talking uh, really about the importance of this work and it being resourced. Um, I remember, David, you don't mind me calling you David, do you? Oh, please. Um, please. <laughs> I, I, listen, I just know you spent a lot of time in school. You paid a lot money. of money. You worked hard. <laughs> so Dr. Jones, I would have been like, call me Dr. McGee. Um, no, but I, I remember, and I said this before, the number of um, leaders of, of corporations and organizations saying, what do we need to do? Like, right. I don't even know how to respond to my Black employees, my Brown employees, you know, because uh, I don't, I don't want to leave out um, our, our Latinx, and, and a lot of my friends actually hate that term. Latin X. Um, so there, yeah, that's another conversation too. That's another show. Our, Latin, yeah, <laughs> our Latino brothers and sisters. Um, right. And I even myself, I was a little exhausted. I got to be honest with you. I felt like, why, why should I have to explain to you what you already know in terms of creating opportunities uh, for people uh, that just don't have the same access as you? equity and equality. Why are we having this conversation? You know this. Uh, and then I felt bad because I'm like, maybe they really don't. Maybe they don't know. Um, and so talk a little bit about, you know, that proactive, reactive uh, type of vibe when you, when you begin thinking about the world, these corporations, these organizations addressing racism within their own four walls or bias, you know, uh, uh, reactions to to whatever it is promotion opportunity you name it what what's the difference i mean it's kind of obvious proactive reactive but right. what are the impacts what are the effects of of that behavior right i mean obviously a lot of organizations and companies were reacting in the summer of 2020 right they when, felt that heat right they, they felt the, <laughs> if they felt the pressure right yeah um Black employees were feeling a sense of pain, a sense of despair, yeah. hopelessness, uncertainty, right? This is all in the middle of a global pandemic, mind you. Let's not forget about that. And so there was this space of needing to create opportunities for healing mm. and discussion so that employees of color can show up and be effective and productive in the mm. workplace, mm. right? And so while folks were losing loved ones to the pandemic, they're also wrestling with racism yeah. and the reckoning of a racial injustice in this country. And so leaders of organizations felt like they had no other choice, right? Um, to do something. And many of them, what did they do? They created chief diversity officer positions, vice president for DEI positions, and they thought that having this one role would solve <laughs> everything. Mm. But the reality is that initial piece is really just putting a Band-Aid on a, a wound that has, that, that has been bleeding for quite some time. And so um, what organizations and companies need to realize is that when you take action toward creating these type of positions, you have to fully invest in it, right? And you just can't be saying things through words, through statements. A lot of organizations, presidents, CEOs put out statements, right? Change their entire mission, you know, right. support this. 
Right. You know, they, they're coming up with different pillars or strategic plans. I mean, it's great. And but, you know, when you have and, and let me just say this, because I think some of the folks who follow me, the show mm -hmm. and, and they, they hear uh, the topic, a lot of it is is always centered around race and race relations. Right. Um, I don't want people and this is Brandon, not Dr. Jones talking. I want I want all people, especially our allies, to understand those initiatives, efforts put in place are well received. Mm -hmm. I think it is just important to note that it's not enough. Right. Um, right. And, and, you know, I was sharing with Dr. Jones before we, we came inside the room, you know, even on my social media, it seems as if I've uh, ruffled some feathers uh, talking about these these truths um, uh, and, and that we need to do more and that, you know, it, we should not be judged based on our gender, our, our sexual orientation, um, any of sorts right. in order to determine whether or not we qualify for an opportunity uh, mm -hmm. within the workplace. It just shouldn't be. But for right. the sake of this conversation, we are definitely talking about the individual or a group of people having uh, access to, to those opportunities, not necessarily um, only just recognizing that that person uh, is, is qualified, but also recognizing that uh, you've done some harm to them over the years that we need to, we need to really address. So um, I cut you off and you were going somewhere, but I had to throw that in because we got a lot of my little cousins in them. I'm just going to describe them as that uh, on my social media who feels like all we do is talk about we, the larger group, about race, racism. Um, and I will continue to talk about race and racism because it's something that we need to talk about, these uncomfortable conversations. Uh, but anyway, back to back to back to you, Dr. Jones. Sorry about that. I think it's important to name why we might talk, we might lead with race, right? Um, we may not solely talk about race, but we might lead with race. Hmm. Um, In what way? This country has endured racism for 400 plus years, mm -hmm. right? If you think about the, the genocide of indigenous peoples yep. to the enslavement of black African-Americans, right? I mean, those, those horrific periods in our history alone right, was really the foundation of how this country was defined. Mm. And, and all we have seen is the ripple effect of what that has looked like and now built into these different systems that all of us are part of, right? And some of us perpetuate racism unconsciously within those systems and disenfranchise people like you and me every single day. Mm. So we need to talk about race. And the reality is when we don't talk about race, we're giving power to those who perpetuate racism and, not, and, and feel uncomfortable having that conversation. Mm. And so when we get to that place of uncomfort and discomfort, right, we need to be able to stay there and lean in even more and become comfortable with the uncomfortable to really help unpack these century long episodes of racism in this country. And that's not to say we can't talk about the experiences of women, LGBT community, or disabled folks, or immigrants, or, or non-Christian folks. I mean, we could certainly talk about those different identities, um, but we have to raise the voices and concerns of our Black, Indigenous folks, and people of color um, in spaces where that is often silenced and, and, and not brought to the table. And so uh, I also like to bring in you know, the work of Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw, who, who coined the term intersectionality, right? And her work yep. about thinking about how we consider individuals that occupy multiple marginalized identities mm. and how those identities intersect with one another, particularly in the workplace. Give and us an example, give us an example. Sure, so the experiences, <clears throat> if you have, if, if you have a, a, an organization that has, you know, sitting vice presidents, right? Let's say five or six vice presidents. And you have a black woman who sits as a vice president and you have three white men who sit as vice presidents and one white woman who sits as a vice president. And that makes up your team. That white woman, while 
she and the black woman share right similar gender experiences mm -hmm. the lived experience around race is going to impact the ways in which the black woman as a vp is going to experience her role yep. and being able to acknowledge the intersectionality of those two marginalized identities in that space is really critical um because we have to give voice and we have to elevate that lived experience in in those spaces and oftentimes they're, they're not they're not considered and so um you could have two women as vice presidents but if you, when you start intersecting mo multiple marginalized identities with that with that same role the outcome looks very different the experience mm -hmm. looks very different and 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 most folks in those roles occupying those roles are unconscious about what their counterparts who occupy those multiple marginalized identities experience. Um, and so yeah, you almost have to be trained to know what you don't know in order to address exactly what you're you're talking about. And I don't Absolutely. think I don't I I I want to go with I don't believe that. 90% of those who lead organizations are trained in this space to even identify that there is a problem. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, a 90 minute training, a two hour training, heck, a full day training is not going to not enough to that level of competency that you need to be at. Mm. Um, it really, when I tell people in the trainings that I lead, is that this needs to become your life's work, right? You need to adopt these philosophies and values beyond the nine to five. And so if you're going to be an ally for racial justice or gender equity, you can't just do that between nine and five. You can't turn it on and turn it off like a light switch, right, when you're in the workplace, but then go to your personal spaces and perpetuate racism or racial bias or gender but let's bias. Be, but let's be real, though. This is hard work. It is very hard work. It is very hard work. And it's not, and, and even, and, you know, I, I'm not saying no one's perfect in it. You know, someone that, like myself is doing this work my entire career, you know, I make mistakes. We all make mistakes. But the key to this work is being able to own the mistake when you make it. Have a conversation, name it, right? Lean into those you 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 might have victimized or offended and, so, and so have that me, transformative me, conversation. Let me push you a little further. I'm I'm really talking about um, many of our, our allies who are saying, right. I want to do more, and I'm talking about white people. Mm -hmm. um you know i want to do more i want to be a part of um the growth the positive impacts um uh, of of black people in the workspace in our community in our children's school uh, but it's just exhausting and and i've heard this you know some of my colleagues people. say yeah it's exhausting because it's like i don't know if I'm doing the right thing, my colleagues don't necessarily affirm what I try to do. And so I'd rather just remain silent because I'd rather be told than to just assume what I'm doing is the correct um, sort of approach or response to what's needed. What, what would you say to those allies who are saying, I want to be a part of this. I want to be, I want to use my privilege uh, sure. to move conversations and to move, quite frankly, barriers out of the way uh, so that my colleagues could advance like I am. So, or let, me, so let me let me reframe something you, you said there um, to the white folks who who say they're exhausted, right? Mm. In terms of having to do this work. Mm -hmm. Let me name something. That's a privilege in itself, right? because you choose to be an ally, you choose to engage in this work. If I'm say, if I say I'm exhausted by the number of times I have to think about people following me in the mall or the grocery store or being pulled over by the police on my way to and from work. Or microaggression. Or microaggression in the workplace, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that level of exhaustion is nothing I can escape from. Mm, that's a good point. I never but thought it, of that. That's that's a shame. I'm conditioned into thinking that that's okay. But anyway, go ahead. Right. But it. But it. But as a white ally, if you say I'm gonna be an ally on Tuesday, and then you know you say I'm exhausted on Wednesday, <laughs> you know you can make that choice. But I can't make the choice to jump in and out of my skin. Mm. Right. 
the skin that I love, let me let me name that, right? You know, I, I love the skin. I'm comfortable in my own skin. And there's immense pride for the sacrifice and the adversity that my ancestors and even people as more recent, right, as, as my father, who, who continues to be a, a, an inspiration to me and what he endured in the segregated South. I mean, I'm inspired by all of that. That's, that's you know, what he sacrificed for, for to be able to, for my sister and I to have the life that we have today. And now, you know, his, 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 uh, his daughter-in-law and, and his grandchildren, right? That, that's, that's, that's a beautiful thing, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm not gonna, I don't wanna not name that, but, but yeah, we, we can be exhausted and, and our exhaustion is, is reality. Whereas white folks who serve to be allies, that's not something that, you know, they have to live with every single day. I just wanna name that just very quickly. But then the, the other piece, you know, when it comes to being an ally, we need more white allies. We need more white folks at those boardrooms speaking up when inequities are starting to continuing to persist in policy and procedures and practice and programs within these organizations. We need white people. It can't always be black and brown folks speaking up. That's exhaustion in itself, mm-hmm. right? And then we get labeled as the difficult employee or, or the one that's always you know, shifting the conversation in another direction. We need white folks doing that work too. And, and naming that. I've been that, accused of that. Yeah, <laughs> of course. I think we all have. Right. And um, and so I think one of the things that white folks can do is really learn how to speak up and speak out. Right. But don't always be careful about not speaking over. Right. And so speaking Ooh. up and speaking out, but don't speak over the folks you're trying to help. Mm-hmm. You see that a lot. Right. Where, where white folks try to dominate the spaces because they're trying to be the white savior or, 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 or help, you know, overcome some adversity that they see people of color um, experiencing. And then they have the best intentions. Yeah, yeah. But the impact might be, oh, you might be silencing someone from wanting to, to use their own voice, right? And so you have to be very cautious and very mindful of how you show up as an ally, how you engage in that role, um, and how you sustain that effort beyond that, the space that you're, that you're in in that moment. You know, what are you doing when a family member says something at the dinner table during the holidays that's that that's offensive or derogatory? You know, are you are you are you laughing with the rest of the family? Are you sweeping it under the rug like you didn't hear it? Or are you naming it in that moment, making that 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 holiday dinner uncomfortable? I mean, that's 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 the hard work that you speak about. Right. Um, and that's what that's what we need white folks doing. That's how we that's what, how we affect change over time. Right. And I always tell people that this work is a journey. And so. We can't, you know, expect to change the world. That's right. When I tell myself when I go into these trainings or I'm speaking to, to groups of people, my commitment is to make the space that I go into better than how I found it. Right? You know, you know if I can, if I'm doing a training with, with, with 50 people, if I could change the hearts and minds of 10 folks, then I've done good. Because I know that will be a snowball effect in terms of how they will then influence their, their experience with me with someone else. And over time, that 10 will turn into 50. Right? Yeah. So so again, if you all are just joining in, uh, you are hearing, listening to Dr. David Earl Jones of the David Earl Jones.com consultant group. Um, I think I just renamed his, his <laughs> company, but David it's Earl David Jones Earl Jones Consulting, consulting. Services. There you go. And mm-hmm. um, I'm sure those of you who are listening would want to, uh, learn a little bit more from uh, David and, and the work that he's doing, and perhaps even uh, invite him to come into your organization or your your group. Um, uh, he has delivered probably over 200 sessions, workshops, keynotes, conferences, you name it. Uh, so he is well qualified. I want y'all to go to his website. David Earl, and that's E-A-R-L, jones.com. And you will find all that you need uh, to get in contact with Dr. Jones uh, and his firm uh, to bring him in. And this is not free, y'all. We're not talking about just coming in and (laughs) while he does Black history programs and and helping folks. uh, This is is definitely quality work. and and information that he's sharing. So we have one more one more uh, question that we want to ask Dr. Jones. And of course, on our show, um, I always have a call to action. And 
it, it's it's really interesting. I think because this, he's an alpha man, so he gets it. At the outset of the show, he he really had a call to action. Um, but my question to Dr. Jones, when we come back from our break, uh, is how do we move this work forward? You know, how do we move from um, all of what we talked about um, uh, to really moving the efforts of DEI or D and I, uh, diversity and inclusion work forward uh, in a more authentic uh, way versus it being just performative because we're responding to the next assassination of a black person. Um, and, and I do mean to be very snarky and, and sarcastic um, in saying that, uh, but I mean it with all sincerity. Like it, it seems as if we on, we're only responding when something like a George Floyd or an Emmett Till or any of the other lives who have been taken um, when that happens. Uh, right. So I want to I, I want you to respond to that when we come back from the break. But again, um, I'm going to thank you now uh, for for joining us and and just continue the great work that you're doing, man. Um, you are um, our Dr. King you know, our Harry Belafonte's and all of these men and women, quite frankly, who have been on the forefront um, of, of, of the struggle, uh, but moving it forward, most importantly, uh, means a great deal to, to all of us who follow. So you keep up the great work, but he's not going anywhere just yet, y'all. Uh, we're gonna hear from him on how to move this work forward. Y'all keep it locked, don't go nowhere. And again, please encourage your cousins, your family members to download the official FUBU app at FUBU Radio. That's F-U-B-U for us, by us.com uh, so that you can tap into the movement. All right, y'all keep it locked. Don't go nowhere. What's going on, y'all? Thanks again for keeping it locked right here on FUBU Radio. We're inside the room with myself, and we have a special guest, Dr. Earl, Dr. Earl Jones, Dr. David Earl Jones. Um, what was Brother Rufus Jones thinking? Did he really, like, was he a fan of Dr. Earl? James Earl Jones? Yeah. Like, <laughs> was that, how did that come about? Did he give you a story behind pick, choosing well, your You know, Earl, Earl's a family name. So sort of Earl goes back, you know, my father's middle name is Earl. And, is Earl, yep. And yep. Then my, my grandfather, his father's middle name, Oh, well. so, and I feel like your father told me this story yeah, before. Um, Earl, Earl's a family name. You know, David. I guess they they both. My mother and him both both like. David him. is very profound, so yeah. I like that. <laughs> um, so so we ended off the last segment uh, by asking a question in terms mm-hmm. of you know how how are we to move um, this, this, this work of diversity and inclusion or diversity, equity, and inclusion right. forward, uh, in a more meaningful way. How, how, how would you share with us, um, basic ways we can move, move this forward with allies? Sure. Well, I, I firmly believe that we're all, we're all in this together, right? Yeah. And we're all connected to this work soul to soul. Right. And so at the end of the day, it is my hope that people are coming to the table to do this work with the best intentions and the best commitment to seeing the change that they want to see. Sure, well, they will make mistakes along the way. Right. There'll be some shortcomings. There'll be some difficult conversations. There'll be some uncomfortable conversations. But at the end of the day, I know the people that I'm journeying with in this work are committed to seeing change. They're committed to doing this work. And so I think, you know, as we move forward, as we think about, you know, sustaining this work, the one word that comes to mind, Brandon, is accountability. Mm. Holding yourself accountable to what you said on paper, as Dr. King, mm. <laughs> Dr. King talked about, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, if you say on paper, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, hold yourself accountable to that. Revisit those action plans or those DNI commitments that you're making for yourself and see where your shortcomings are or how well you're progressing in that area. Right. And, and, and have those reflection moments to 
make improvements and make changes to the ways in which you're engaging in this work. Mm-hmm. But holding yourself accountable, finding an accountability partner, right? You know, who, could, who could be a partner to you in this work? Maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a neighbor, a community friend, right? Someone within your spiritual or religious affiliation, your fraternity, sorority, whatever the space is for you, find that person that could join you in this journey so that you're not alone as you walk through this this work of social justice. And so I always tell people to always think about how you can leave spaces better than how you found it. That's all we can do in life. You know, we can't say we're going to change the world or, you know, we're going to change society. You know, the work that I do in West Orange, New Jersey, in the community, there's 45,000 people in this town. I'm not going to change the lives of every single individual. Mm-hmm. But if I've done my part to make the communities that I occupy better than how I found it, hmm. right, to bring awareness and raise the consciousness of others and move that consciousness toward action, then I've done my part to move the needle and bend that arc toward justice, right? That mm-hmm. universal arc toward justice. That's, not That's what right. Talking about. And so I do think that, you know, being around and being surrounded with like-minded folks, other social justice change agents is going to help you be better positioned to, to be that advocate, that ally, and truly that accomplice for, for equity and justice. Hmm. So when I think about this work and how we move forward, is a quote that comes to mind that's said in a lot of activism spaces. And it reads, if you have come to help me, you're wasting your time. But if you have come because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let us work together, right? No one is liberated until we're all liberated. And as long as we're living in a society where black and brown people are being killed because of the color of their skin, where trans persons, particularly trans persons of color are being killed because of their gender identity, right? Where non-Christian folks are being attacked because of Islamophobia, anti-Semitism, and various Mm -hmm. other forms of religious violence. If we're still experiencing wars like we're seeing in Ukraine, Right. If we're still having these moments where people are being disadvantaged and disenfranchised because of who they are and how they show up in this world, then none of us are liberated. And we all need to come together so that one day, one day, that true feeling of liberation can be felt across all identity groups, all cultural backgrounds. Mm. Right. And we can truly live out the meaning of what Dr. King talked about in his I Have a Dream speech. So the work continues, but we're all in this together and we're all connected soul to soul. So Mm -hmm. let's join forces to really make this work what it needs to be. And that's one that's bounded on liberation and equity for everyone. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you for engaging me in this conversation. It's truly been a blessing and honor. and, And I'm excited to be part of this experience with you. Thank you. No doubt. No doubt. No, thank you. Thank you. And and I think so the word that um that really everything that you said resonated. Uh, but the accountability piece is is one of the most um important uh to me and and especially, you know, our souls coming together as one uh in order to to really feel the change needed, necessary rather. Uh, right, for right. for the conversation that we've had today to happen. Um, so how can people get in touch with you? Like they want to request you to come speak. They want you to train. Uh, tell us your website again, your social Absolutely. media, uh, social media, media, excuse me, handles. Mm-hmm. Um, let us know. How do we keep in touch with Dr. Jones? Please don't be a stranger. You know, as I say to folks, once connected, always connected. And by listening to this show today, we're connected. So um, feel free to reach out. You can go to my website, www.davidearljones.com. That's www.davidearljones.com. There's a contact me page on my site, which will send an email right to my email address, 
um, and, I, and I'll be in touch so I can serve you in the ways in which that can benefit you and your organization or the community you're a part of. I'm happy to come in and do some training or a speaking engagement uh, or any type of consultation that will help improve um, the work that you're looking to, 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 um, to address. Uh, also, uh, LinkedIn, David Jones, Twitter, um, at David Earl Jones. Um, let's, let's connect, let's build, and let's work towards justice, y'all. And let them know um, when you go and request or you book David, just say you heard him on uh, inside the room. <laughs> so when I need him to come, I can get a little discount. Black folks always try. No, no, no. Black folks always trying to get a discount. No, we pay full price. This is this man's work. And again, go to www.davidearljones.com to book David uh, to come in. Uh, to speak, to train, uh, you name it. Uh, he's willing to do it. And, and um, I'm just glad, man, I could probably keep talking, but I only get an hour on a oh, Sunday. Yeah. So we'll have to bring you back in uh, and catch up with you. But we wish nothing but the best for you. Uh, and, and hopefully you are impacting folks throughout the country, throughout the world, um, especially during these uh, times of unrest. So uh, you all, thank you for following. Keep sharing uh, this, this segment with family and friends. Follow me on Instagram at underscore BLMJ underscore. Or if you're not an Instagram person, you can come to Twitter at Rep B McGee. Uh, if you're not a little Twitter person, you can come on over to Facebook and just kind of chill uh, and, and, and simply put in inside the room uh, and it'll come up and you can be a part of our family there. But either way, I want you to come back every single Sunday at 9 a.m. where we discuss politics, leadership and culture. And every now and again, we'll have an amazing guest like Dr. David Earl Jones. Uh, so again, I want you to take care, do something for yourself, uh, try to hold yourself accountable, especially in the workplace. And I know not only black and brown people listen to this segment on FUBU Radio. So to my white friends, my allies, our allies, thank you, but let's dive deeper. Until next time, peace. And as our friend Jesse Jackson says, y'all keep hope alive. Have an amazing week. Talk to you soon.